Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association. I'm Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the First World War and have over 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. Today is the 29th of May 2017. April this year marks the centenary of the entry of the United States of America into the First World War. To mark this date, this episode looks at the role the American Expeditionary Force played in the conflict and specifically its Chief of Operations, General Fox Connor. Stephen Rabelais has written a new book on Fox Connor and the AEF titled General Fox Connor, Pershing's Chief of Staff and Eisenhower's Mentor, published by Casement. I spoke to Stephen about his new book over the interweb from Louisiana. I started our conversation by asking Stephen to give us an introduction to the AEF. Well, good morning, Tom. The AEF, of course, stands for the American Expeditionary Forces, and this essentially was the army that the United States put together to go overseas and to ally with the French and British to fight the Germans. It it was a force that did not exist at all until the United States declared war in April of 1917. In fact, the United States did not have even a single organized combat division at the time that war was declared. The nation got into this war wholly unprepared for it. And um, Pershing and his uh, chief assistants, such as Fox Connor, had the task of building this army from scratch, getting it overseas, and eventually deploying it in a manner that uh, that helped bring about Allied victory in the, in the Great War. What precisely was uh, Fox Connor's role, and who was Fox Connor? Can you tell us a bit about his background and his sort of career during the First World War? Connor's job was, in the first instance, was to oversee the construction, the actual formation of a what ultimately became a two million man army in a foreign country. Then he oversaw the task of how to utilize that force in conjunction with the Allies, with the French and British, while the army was still forming and able to help some, but not yet formed to the point where it could fight as an independent. And then ultimately at the conclusion of the war, uh, Connor was um, was instrumental in essentially having the American army gain some independence, primarily from the French, and to fight as its own force under its own command in its own sector, essentially to be made an equal partner with the British and the French and the, and the alliance. And uh, so that's what Fox Connor did by background. He uh, is from the southern part of the United States. Uh, your audience may recall that the United States had a civil war in the um, in the 1860s. And Connor's father had fought on the losing side. He had been on the Confederacy and had been blinded fighting against the Union Army. Uh, interestingly, though, Connor, as a young man, felt a calling to be a soldier and uh, secured entry into West Point, which is uh, our version of Sanders. You know, it's the, uh, the United States Military Academy. Uh, Connor was uh, very much an intellectual from backwoods Mississippi, but was extremely intelligent, had a facility for languages. Uh, he became fluent in French, for example, which was what made him uniquely qualified qualified to uh, succeed in his position of working within this intra-allied coalition that, of course, the French played a a huge role in. So that's a little snippet of Connor, a very intelligent guy, professional soldier, West Point graduate, Pershing's chief of operations. And then after the war, he went on to hold various positions in the army in the peacetime intra-war area. But he he suffered a stroke in 1938 and retired. Uh, Apart from his influence upon people like uh, Eisenhower, and George Marshall and uh, George Patton, people like that. Connor had no direct role in the second. Because I think it's what, what I found really interesting from from reading your book was 
how people like Eisenhower, Patton and Marshall of the Marshall Plan all ref- obviously refers to him as a great mentor and somebody who deeply influenced their life. But we know virtually nothing about him. I knew nothing until you'd, you'd actually sent me your book. And in, I'm sure the British public know even less. Why is it that he, he had such influence with the, these, uh, these commanders of the Second World War? And secondly, why don't we know much about him? Well, Connor was a very introspective individual. He was not someone who enjoyed the spotlight. He, he flourished behind the scenes. He wanted to be the guy behind the curtains moving the levers around, which is uh, really, if you get to it, that's essentially what an excellent staff officer does. You know, an executive staff officer or really an excellent um, – executive period, you know, enables the person above him on the organization to do a better job. And that's what Connor was about. Did not like publicity, did not particularly care to give interviews. He had an opportunity to write a memoir. In fact, an American publisher tried greatly to interest him in writing a memoir, and he simply did not want to do it. He didn't like people knowing his business. He burned his papers at the end of the war. And so Fox Connor slid into obscurity because that's precisely where he wanted to be. He had done his role. He did not seek any further adulation uh, and was more more than happy to let uh, other people, you know, deal with the limelight. And as far as why he influenced these other folks, it largely had to deal with his competence level. This was, um, he had a different relationship with each of the three gentlemen that we touched on. He and George Marshall, uh, who was the United States Army's chief of staff in the uh, Second World War. So he was, Marshall was Eisenhower's superior, in case your audience is unfamiliar with him. And again, you mentioned of the Marshall plan. He and Marshall were both high-level Pershing assistants in the first. Uh, Connor knew Marshall from before the war. He helped bring him up through the ranks of the AEF to a point where they were the they were two of the key strategies. Where will we fight? How will we fight? What will be the methods uh, by which we will fight? You know, which divisions will we deploy? All of these fine operational strategic levels. Uh, Marshall and Connor shared competence. Uh, they were both highly competent individuals. He and George Patton were more friends. Connor and his wife and Patton and his wife had been social acquaintances for years. And uh, in fact, uh, Patton was also in the AEF as one of Pershing's uh, upper assistants, but yearned for a a field assignment. Patton did not flourish at all in the staff environment. Connor was essential in uh, helping him find uh, the vocation, if you will, of of tanks. That was new technology when they were coming out in the Great War. And uh, Fox Connor was one of the people that George Patton consulted with on on how uh, how to get into that field. And Eisenhower was someone that Connor met after the war. Eisenhower had a number of personal and professional difficulties. Anyone interested will, will, I think, find the book interesting on this, that Eisenhower, who's now a paragon in America, was actually facing a court-martial for some expense uh, reimbursement pledging that he had done in the 1920s. But Connor saw in him uh, an intellect, he saw, like his own, he saw him as someone with a great facility for organization. And the two of them spent three years together in a small, isolated post on the Panama Canal Zone. And essentially, Connor taught Eisenhower how to think. He taught him how to learn. He taught him how to teach himself. And um, you know, as Eisenhower put it, he, you know, that was the watershed in his life. He, he was one thing before Panama, and he was another thing after. 
But I think the, the, the hallmark of all of these was each of the three saw in Fox Connor a gentleman of extreme competence, frankness, someone who would not uh, had no interest in advancing his own career at the expense of them. He was uh, all about doing his job in a manner that allowed those around him to elevate and succeed. What I, what I found really interesting in the relationship between Connor and Eisenhower was, was Connor's use of history and how he taught um, Eisenhower to re, I suppose, to get his spark and enthusiasm for the subject back. Yeah, he did that by um, by means of novels. Uh, Eisenhower had been a um, someone very interested in history as a young man. In fact, his high school yearbook had predicted uh, that he would be a history professor. That actually predicted his brother would become president of the United States. But um, Eisenhower got to West Point and detested the subject in the manner that it was taught, which was rote memorization of dates and when did this battle occur, who commanded the 3rd Brigade of the 4th Infantry, etc., and uh, did not like the subject. Connor, of course, loved history. That was that was one of his passions in life was the study of history. So to re-engage Eisenhower on the subject, he invited him over to his quarters one night and introduced him to some novel. Uh, these were like one of them, for example, was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle of Sherlock Holmes fame, who had a very entertaining book about a, um, an officer who had served under Napoleon. And the stories were so riveting that it sort of rehooked or Eisenhower back into military history. And from there, Connor gradually reintroduced him to studies of the various campaigns, ultimately into the military theorists such as Clausewitz. And finally, Steve, where can, where can people get your book from? This book is available through all major booksellers, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Uh, if one goes on those sites, the book is available. It is um, the publisher Casemate has released it in both the United States and the UK. A lot of information and also a way to obtain the book is also on the book's website, which is www.generalfoxconner.com. And Connor is C-O-N-N-E-R. Stephen, thank you very much for your time. Tom, it has been a pleasure. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Butterworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Rusman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time.